Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, liberal survival. Every one of them expect their parliamentarians to get to work and to deliver on a plan that moves our country forward for all Canadians. The minority government lays out its priorities and promises, but where are the details and what will they actually do and when? And who will support the speech from the throne? We find out when the Liberal House Leader Pablo Rodriguez joins us. And then, the big no. If the Liberal government thinks that this is good enough to deal with the struggles that people are facing right now, then they are wrong. This is not good enough. Disappointment from NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who says he will not vote for the Liberal agenda for now. But what needs to change? Does the government even need his vote? NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is here. And then, two-faced Trudeau? Well, he's two-faced. Donald Trump's harsh words create a diplomatic explosion after Prime Minister Trudeau was caught on camera criticizing the U.S. president. Is this a major setback for Canada-U.S. relations? Is the new NAFTA now in trouble? Former U.S. Ambassador to Canada Bruce Heyman joins the scrum. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. So the speech from the throne laid out the government's main priorities for the minority government, but... They're mostly just generalities. That's the nature of a speech from the throne. Tax cuts, climate change, pharmacare, gun control. But what will actually be accomplished? And do the Liberals need more than just the support of the Bloc Quebecois? Let's find out. Joining me now is the Liberal House Leader, Pablo Rodriguez. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. All right. We yeah. already know that the Conservatives and the NDP have said, right now, we will not support it. But you've got the support of the Bloc Quebecois. What are the political optics? Is it a problem for your government if your only dance partner is a separatist party in Quebec? No, I mean, on this we have the, the support of the bloc. Maybe on other things, on specific uh, issues on climate change, we'll get the NDP. Maybe on tax cuts, we'll get the Conservatives. It's case by case. You say it's case by case, but when the bloc comes out and they say they'll support you, it gives the Conservatives and the NDP license to say, we won't support you, making it look like it's a liberal... A uh, Bloc Quebecois little <laughs> party here. No, it's not. Not at all. And we have all have all of us have to act uh, responsibly, right? And if there's one lesson that we all ta have to take from uh, October 21st is that Canadians want us to collaborate, and I expect that from all parties, now, including the, okay, well, including say, the the NDP and the Conservatives. You say that, but they have now made demands on the speech from the throne. Are there any demands that your government will make concessions on to get their support? Well, well, well you know what? We'll, we'll sit down. Uh, I met with all House leaders last week. And uh, I gave him my fo cell phone right away. I said, you guys call me whenever you want, day, night, whatever. My door is always open, so we'll sit down and discuss. If they go have good ideas, but they've why already, not? Okay, but so, so give us an idea. Okay, well, I'll give you a, an, an idea. The Conservatives want an amendment to what they call the No More Pipelines Bill, the Environmental Assessment 69. You guys have said you're open to amendments. What amendments? Well, we, no. To, on implementation. The implementation. Okay, so what? But we, but, we, but we spent months discussing, debating this bill. The Conservatives were there. We were there, and, and okay, it, it was adopted by, by the, the implementation. The House of I mean, it's well, a law now. What would change? We will ask the Minister of the Environment will be able to answer that question, but he will be consulting. And he said it very clearly on implementation is going to be definitely consulting with provinces and stakeholders and we'll see how it goes okay what about on pharmacare in the speech from the throne i get that the speech from the throne's generalities <laughs> but you were not there was specifics on a tax cut but there were not specifics on pharmacare no timeline you didn't use the word universal you didn't use the word public judgment Singh says you yeah, can't support it on Why the tax not? cut it's simple it's only us we decide we make a tax cuts and we do it in the parliament pharmacare requires 
the, 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 the work with the provinces. We cannot implement just this just like this and improvise. They're the one yeah, delivering the health be systems. Fair, sir. You guys have studied this left, right, and Tuesday. You've had Dr. Eric Hoskins do a report. We've had an election on it. You're way past the vague generalities of that speech on the throne. Why couldn't you guys say it was universal? Why couldn't you say it was public? Be because it has to be discussed with the provinces. We're not the ones going to be implementing this. Ask the provinces if, if they want to have a say. Of course they do, and we are, want them to guide us and work with us and see how we would do it. So when's this, when does that conversation start? We've already had there, there are discussions all the time. I mean, okay. Yeah. So you're not. So let's just say that. So you're not committed to universal pharmacare. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying what we're committed or not. What we're saying that Canadians need a, a, a national system. We're privileged in Quebec. We have a great system. Uh, it's our way to do it. Maybe other provinces want to do it differently. But at the end of the day, we want Canadians to have a good. But, but you guys have been talking about pharmacare for generations. If you want trust, if you were really humbled by this election, if you want progressive to trust you, why can't you give us a timeline? Will you do it in the next 18 months, the standard life well, of, a, of a minority I'm parliament? not going to give you a timeline because I'm not going to de decide on behalf of the provinces or my colleague, the minister. I mean, we were to consult. Um, be, and we wanted this to happen as soon as possible. That's the best answer I can oh, give you. Okay, but you understand <laughs> that you guys are saying, look, we're really going to listen. We've been humbled. It's new. But, yeah, we can't. We're going to say words, but we can't give you any details. No, How, what does that tell you guys? We, we are working. It's, it, it, as you said, the speech from Trump gives the priorities. Now we, the real work starts, right? An election just happened, right? We just came back. Not just. It was no. a month ago. Well, but month ago but now, okay, but, but that's very recent. Now we, we present a speech from the throne. Now we're discussing with other parties how to move forward on things. At the same time, we can discuss with provinces on other stuff. That's what we're doing. We're moving forward. Okay, but this, this is about trust. How should, tell me how you guys are going to, you said in the speech from the throne, you would lower the cost of cell phone bills by 25%. How do you do it? Well, you, you have to do it with the companies, and you have to make sure that the, it's effective. But how, how do you do it? Like, is it, what is it? Is it wage? I, is it wage price controls? I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna, not going to tell you exactly what's going to be written in a bill or, or speak on behalf of my colleagues. You know very well where we stand today. Today we're standing. I'm in front of you with a speech of the tone presented this week, and now from here we go work on the details. But but give us a sense. I mean, that's a promise. I'm just trying to figure out what, give me one way that your government federally could regulate the price well, of cell phones. You, what are you, you going to take to say to the telco? On the specific, ask the Minister of Industry. He's going but to, you, but he's going to be drafting, he's going to be drafting to be that fair, bill. The, the party said that you can answer this I question. Can, I, so I, I can answer to you, to you where we are now, but I'm not the one drafting the bill. I'll be working with him as a colleague and others in cabinet, but uh, for the specific, you said it earlier, this is general, it's phone speech. Then we see the specific. There the was bills. there was uh, complaints by Andrew Shear that you didn't mention Alberta and Saskatchewan. There was nothing there for them, and there's prairie alienation. Uh, was that a mistake? We didn't mention any problems. The, the, the purpose was, was to present a national throne speech. We, we spoke about the importance of regions. We understand very well uh, how Alberta uh, and, and Saskatchewan and the West is, is, is suffering. It's difficult. And that's why. Uh, Minister Freeland, the first thing she did as Deputy Prime Minister and, and Minister of Internal Government Affairs was to go to Alberta. Okay, James so Carr is there, and you know what? It's, and it's the, the, the job of the whole government to be there for, for the West. Uh, let me ask you about Justin Trudeau at the NATO meeting. He was caught on that camera, that viral moment. We were speaking of Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, and uh, other leaders, uh, and mocking Donald Trump. Donald Trump then called Justin Trudeau two-faced. Was that a big gaffe? 
Uh, I, the only thing I can tell you is that, and I was speaking with, with Christian Ferland today, we, we're having great relationship with the Americans, right? They're the, our best friends. They're our lion. It's not it's, great. It's super Sorry. great. We, we have good re Listen, we've been You the, can't the, sell me that swamp land. It can't be great when the president listen, calls your this, leader two-faced. We've been negotiating this extremely important deal. Christian Ferland was speaking with, with her counterpart most of the days this week, and things are moving forward, and we're doing what we have to do. But, Mr. Rodriguez, to be candid, it, it, you can, things can't be great when the president of the United States calls Justin Trudeau two-faced when Justin Trudeau is featured in an attack ad by Joe Biden on 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 Donald Trump you're saying that that's gonna have no impact I, on Canada I, I'm saying that it's an old relationship that we have that it's been tested many times that worked is working and will always work will the Prime Minister should he apologize for laughing at the president I'm not, not going to get into that I mean the important thing is that business is being done and we're negotiating the deal this deal and other deals and things are moving are forward. you concerned that there could be punitive measures the president had punitive measures on Canadian steel and aluminum before they were according to Canadian government irrational reasons national security they made no sense could he do that again in response their economy is important for us. Our economy is important for them. We're good neighbors, and we're going to keep following that direction. All right. Uh, when will there be a, a vote on the speech from the throne? Traditional, there is yes. The traditional. Will there be one before the new year? Uh, probably not, because you have many days of debates, and there's days allotted to, to unless people decide that we're not debating anymore. If not, it could go to the next year. So there'll be some supply votes which your government could fall on confidence votes uh, tomorrow or in the new the week. Well, in the minority government. <laughs> Those, those uh, occasions happen, um, but at the same time, Canadians sent us here to say, guys, sit down together and find a way to work. So okay, so uh, the, the speech on the throne, there won't be votes on that till maybe in the new year. There will probably be uh, votes on the amendment from the Conservatives or some amendments from, from the Bloc Québécois. We'll see how it goes. We'll right. play by the air next week, see how many days we need to debate it, and at the end, there will probably, yes, be a vote. Uh, Pablo, i got to leave it there. I appreciate it. Thanks so <laughs> Thank much. You. All right, coming up, the response. How do the opposition parties feel about the speech from the throne? Will they vote for it? NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is up next to tell us. Stay right here with Question Period. The government will take steps to introduce and implement national pharmacare so that Canadians have the drug coverage they need. So the Liberals' new agenda includes promises to create new pharmacare program, ban military-style weapons, there are some tax cuts, not a lot of details. That's the nature of the speech in the throne. But the Bloc has already said they will support it. What would it take to get the NDP to support the Liberal agenda? Let's find out. Joining me now is the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, too. All right. Now, you, you had compensation for Indigenous children harmed by the child welfare. You said, I got to see that to support this. Well, that's in the speech from the throne. He promised National Pharmacare Program. You said that has to be there. He said he'll look into universal dental care. So he's got that in there. Is that enough to get your support? No, because what he's done is he's touched on the things, but not actually delivered on what, what's needed. Uh, I went through a campaign where I spoke with a lot of Canadians. And if Mr. Trudeau thinks that this vision is going to make their life better, he's wrong. We need a lot more. On National Pharmacare, he's actually rolled back his commitment. In the campaign, he talked about universal pharmacare. In the throne speech, he dropped the word universal and said national. national. But for dental care, he put in universal. So he's, they're aware of the word. They used it on one and withdrew it from the other. I said to the Prime Minister when we met, what we need to make sure is that we've got a 
Pharmacare program that covers all Canadians. That's really what I want to see happen. There's many Canadians who have drug plans, but they've got massive deductibles, which means effectively they don't have coverage. So I, so I want to see something Rodriguez, concrete. He said, oh, well, we've got to wait until we negotiate with the provinces, because as you know, that is jurisdiction of the provinces. So we can't just bully that through with details. We'll talk to the provinces about that. Good enough? No, what we have to do is have the leadership to provide the vision. And then you've got to bring people on board. If you don't have the vision to say, what we know is, the experts have said this, our own report in the government's case has confirmed this, well, they, yeah, that it's that. public, universal, and single-payer, basically medication coverage for every Canadian. They've got to start with the right vision, and then they've got to then work with provinces that get them on board. But without having a vision, without telling people, hey, this is where we want to go, how would a province be able to you, sign on to it? Could you have, would you support the speech of the throne if they just said, okay, we'll add the, ver the word universal pharmacare? Well, I've told the Prime Minister what I wanted, which was accepting his own report, which meant... Pharmacare that covers everybody with the same type of plan that the report suggests, something that is going to be universal. It's going to be publicly delivered, single payer. These details are important because that means it's going to really and truly cover all Canadians. With Indigenous communities, I said, what I want to see from the Prime Minister is a commitment to stop taking Indigenous kids to court. There was a human rights tribunal decision that said the government discriminated kids, not just generally, but willfully and recklessly, and it caused the deaths of kids. That means the government has to stop taking them to court and say, hey, if we really believe in reconciliation, we shouldn't be taking Indigenous kids to court. But the That's federal court not dismissed there. the government's appeal on that. So, so at this point, the, the, right. that was one stage that was okay. dismissed. There's still a judicial review that's going to happen in January. And so I'm asking the government not to go there. They've got the power to stop right. taking these kids to court, accept the ruling. They made this really weird argument to say that, oh, we want to compensate all kids, not just these ones that have been discriminated against. Well, that makes no sense at all. You can help out other kids that have been discriminated as well as the ones that have been found to be uh, discriminated right. in the Human Rights Tribunal at the same time. Now, you've made these demands, but the Liberals might think, we don't care what Jagmeet Singh says because he lost 20 seats. The Bloc Quebecois came right out of the gate and said, we love to support it, so they don't really need your support. What does that tell you? Well, this is what I would say to, to the Prime Minister and to Canadians. If the Prime Minister wants to stay in power, sure, he could work with the Bloc. It's, they've made it clear that they don't really have anything to negotiate. They're not going to push the government. They can work with the Bloc. If they want to cut taxes for the wealthy, they could probably work with the Conservatives. If they want to work with me, I want to work together, but not to just keep the Liberals in power. I want them to do what's right for people. I want to see real commitment to fight the climate crisis with real targets that are science-based and accountability to make sure we're not just setting targets and missing it. I want to see real commitments to health care. The dental care announcement was yeah. promising, but I want to see some real concrete action, but not just vague words. Can you just be Dr. No, though? If they know that they can survive and they turn you into Dr. No, you need votes in Quebec to rebuild the collapse there, and it looks like you're not doing anything. You're just saying no to everything. Does that jam you? Well, Mr. Trudeau can stay in power very easily. He can just work with the bloc who don't seem interested in pushing him to do anything. I want to work together, but not just for a vague reason. I want to work together to make life better for Canadians. My goal is very clear. I want to see real changes. I want to see the ultra-wealthy pay their fair share. I want to see real commitments to stop charging interest on the student loans that are federal. I want to see real commitments. And if they're not willing to do that, I'm not going to support them. Mr. Singh, one worry for the Liberals might be, I don't want to work with Jagmeet Singh. We've got prairie alienation exploding, and you're the guy that wants to stop every pipeline. I don't want to you know, work too closely with Jagmeet Singh. That's going to inflame 
prairie alienation. So you're not the guy he needs to turn to now. What do you say to that? Well, I would say the people in the prairie provinces are worried about their future. They've seen conservative governments cut their health care, cut their education. We want to fight for health care. We want to fight for those workers. We want to see investments in jobs that are sustainable. We want to see those workers have a bright future. I want to see uh, people in Saskatchewan who make excellent steel have the opportunity to use their steel products in Canadian infrastructure projects which have community benefit agreements which ensure that Canadian steel is being used. I want to make sure that people have a good job and I don't buy that uh, Mr. Trudeau is really committed to making their life better. The way to do that is to deal with the problems that people have, health care, education, let's look at housing, the things that people need. That's what we're fighting for. Justin Trudeau was at the NATO summit meeting. He was caught on this viral video with uh, President Macron and Prime Minister Boris Johnson and others laughing at Donald Trump. You've been very, by the way, very critical of Donald Trump. But then Donald Trump saw it and called Justin Trudeau two-faced. Was this a damaging moment for Justin Trudeau and damaging to Canada at a critical moment? Well, what I look at uh, Mr. Trudeau and I say, there's lots of reasons to criticize Mr. Trump. And I've done that openly. I think we have to call out Mr. Trump on things like putting kids in cages, uh, the xenophobic comments, the misogyny. We need to call out Mr. Trump on giving billions of dollars to billionaires. Those are horrible decisions. There's lots to criticize Mr. Trump on, but Mr. Trudeau hasn't done that publicly. He hasn't been willing or had the courage to call out and say, I disagree with this policy. It's wrong. It's harmful. In an appropriate diplomatic way, you can call out bad policies. I haven't seen Mr. Trudeau do that. But behind closed doors, mocking someone when not having the courage to call them out on the horrible policies, to me, doesn't show real leadership. It shows someone acting one way when the cameras are on and acting very differently when the cameras but are not on. But isn't that, I mean, to be fair, I, I, it was probably a gaffe, but doesn't that, isn't that politics? You're not going to, you're not going to rub it in Donald Trump's face when they're our chief economic partner. Does it also reveal that maybe Donald Trump is ostracized within the NATO community? What does that tell you? Oh, there's no question that Mr. Trump has, has made a mockery of the office. I mean, there's, there's no question. His, his comments, his lack of professionalism, and his horrible treatment of people and really bad decisions are worthy of critique. What I'm saying is that Mr. Trudeau often says something in public that reconciliation is so important, but in private mocks activists who are saying that their, their water has been poisoned. So you he says in public, do you think two-faced is an accurate term for him? Well, I think Mr. Trudeau has shown again and again that he's said publicly he cares about pharmacare, but he's met, his government has met with pharmaceutical lobbyists you know, so many times and they've caved on right. uh, defending families instead of doing that, they protected the profits of the pharmaceutical industry. So I've seen many examples where Mr. Trudeau says one thing, talks about climate crisis, but then he buys a pipeline. There's this two sides to Mr. Trudeau that don't really add up. And that's something that I think Canadians are seeing. All right, I got to leave it there. Mr. Singh, thank you. Thank you. All right, that's Chuck Meet Singh. Coming up, the debate begins. MPs are standing by to give their view on the Liberal speech in the throne. What's missing? What will stay? We find out. Stay right here with Question Period. of the Liberal minority government is gone minutes after the Governor General laid out the priorities for the new government. The leader of the Bloc Quebecois announced he would support the speech while the Conservatives and the NDP say, you know, not yet. Which means the government will likely not fall in a vote on the speech from the throne later this week. But how did the other parties react 
to the details, the promises on tax cuts, climate change, gun control. Will the Liberals change anything after listening to the critics? Let's find out. Joining me now, Mark Gerritsen is a Liberal MP for Ontario. Candace Bergen is the Conservative House Leader. Don Davies is an NDP MP for British Columbia. It's great to see everybody here. Great, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Candace Bergen, let me start with you because we've already heard from the House Leader uh, for, the, for the Liberals. Um, your leader said he was disappointed. He said there was nothing. It was an insult to the West. What was missing from the speech? Well, you know what? I think what we were hoping for is after seeing the Prime Minister meet with a number of premiers, he met with leaders of the opposition parties. He said that he got the message from the election in which he did lose his majority and he has no seats in the West. We were expecting that there would be a few concrete actions that actually had been suggested. And a, a more than just a signal or more than a word of support, but actual actions like that would what? help. Um, we will consider consider amending the, the No More Pipelines bill. Uh, liberals will take a look at the impact of uh, the tanker ban on the on the west coast and what what that has the impact that has on jobs right. in Alberta. Some you know the premiers have, have said there are things that can happen that wouldn't take a lot but that would show the west that the prime minister has heard them and that he's willing to take some action. We weren't expecting him you know completely overturn every one of his policy pieces, but we saw nothing in the speech from the throne that indicated that there's any change in direction. So no support from the conservatives. No, we're not. So, well, we've got a great amendment. If they support our amendment, uh, we'll see what will happen. Right. Okay, so by the way, that tanker bill, the no more pipelines, is, is a law, not a bill. So it's right. they'd have to, they'd they'd, have to change that. To uh, what about the NDP? Uh, Jagmeet Singh, support or no support? Well, we haven't made that determination yet. Um, I mean, we're six weeks off a federal election. I, I think we're all still carrying the messages of that. And, and I think it's a fair comment to say that uh, Canadians are really struggling and they're very concerned about some serious issues. You know, we have people who can't get the medicine that they need. We have a housing crisis of historic proportion and people are you know, fervently uh, concerned about climate, the climate emergency. So um, enough details like National Pharmacare. Did they have details enough? They mentioned they're going to put Pharmacare yeah. in, but no details. In a word, no. And and that's that's our concern. Is that I think Canadians want to see action. It's it's not enough to uh, kick these issues down the road. As they say, it's it's not time to skate. It's time to shoot. And and this throne speech has got a lot of skating in it. Take Pharmacare. They said that they're going to take steps towards national pharmacare. Well, what does that mean? I mean, they, they can't even bring themselves to say the word universal or public or comprehensive. And we have the Hoskins report that just laid out a blueprint with a timeline and with metrics. And uh, I would have liked to have seen that. Now, the throne speech is a general document, but there are timelines and commitments to legislation when the Liberals want there to be. Well, that, let me put well, that to you. There are, there, so. You guys put details on a tax cut. Yeah. Let's do, do both of those. Take, start with pharmacare. Yeah. Didn't put public, no details on time. You guys have studied this up and down the wazoo. Why not? Well, I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head and Don kind of ended a little bit with it, which is the fact, uh, Evan, that, you know, when you talk about a speech from the throne, it really is a guiding document, a guiding uh, a document that sets the agenda. It's not going to get into some of the details as Candace is, is looking for in terms of actually uh, introducing legislation. Well, to be frank, we, Pharmacare, putting in universal and public is not yeah. a, is hardly a detail. How, how many times hold has on, Pharmacare on, been in the speech hold, from the throne from the Liberals? Hold on a too? second. That's, we, that's but we made it absolutely clear to 
during the election that we are going to uh, be working towards bringing in a national pharmacare plan because the reality of the situation, situation is, is that there are many uh, Canadians out there that are choosing between uh, do I take my medication or do I pay for my rent or, 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 or other necessities of life. Just to give us one detail, yeah. when? Because, well, I mean, it, I mean the this is a word salad The, the details now. are going to come out and the details will come out as the legislation <laughs> is, is brought forward. But, I mean, what you're basically asking us to do, with all due respect, is to uh, circumvent the entire uh, committee process. This, these, uh, you know, as the NDP and the Conservatives love to sit, love How to see this stuff go through. Been in a liberal speech from the throne. I, I, I don't know. I've heard like since the '90s. It's been it, well, so. This is what, what the I haven't been around that long, well. Candace. I've yeah. only been here since 2015. <laughs> but I can tell you that I've never no, seen the level of commitment um, that I'm seeing right now from uh, within uh, the Liberal Party to bring forward to pharmacare. But, we're going to do it, might, and uh, we're might. going to do it in a responsible if, way. If I might, in fairness, the Liberals campaigned on pharmacare and promised a timeline in 1997. Second of all, in this budget, in the last page of the throne speech, they, they say that they're willing to explore yeah. the concept of universal dental care. So when the government wants to say universal, they say it. Let's just talk about pipelines. The Prime Minister last week said we're building the Trans Mountain Pipeline and it's going through. Their shovels are in the ground. Is that, and I know they didn't mention Saskatchewan, Alberta specifically, they didn't mention any promise specifically in the speech from the throne, Candice Bergen, but is that enough to show that there's a real commitment no, on the pipeline? Like We've been seeing this for since the, the Liberals were elected, you know, when they said they were going to get approved the pipeline and then proved it, then it didn't work. Oh, we're going to buy the pipeline and we're going to get it built. And this is past just the pipeline. I mean, a lot of people are, it, it's not just the pipeline. It's 170,000 jobs that have been lost in Alberta and in the oil and gas sector alone. Uh, this is about jobs in the forestry sector. We heard nothing in the speech from the throne about what's happening in Alberta, uh, or in, uh, in BC within the forestry so sector. Can I just press so, back just on one thing? Know, what did you make yeah. of the fact that they're, they're now saying the government has agreed with Alberta's plan, $30 a ton carbon price and emissions on big emitters in Alberta? Is that something that came right after the speech from the throne that may help the Alberta economy? Well, well, let's see. I, I still find, I mean, I do find it interesting that here we are, we're back to big emitters not having to pay a carbon tax that I guess the folks in Alberta who are going to be driving their kids to school, who are, have lost their jobs, they're still going to be paying the carbon tax I, and being penalized. So, I mean, that, that is, all, but the fact is, the speech from the throne didn't talk about competitiveness. This is another huge issue that's facing this country. Investment is fleeing, and investors are seeing a very hostile environment right. in Canada for these investment Candace, dollars. Made, and guess where it's going? To the U.S., uh, where they are building pipelines Candace, you made and a really exporting good, oil. You made a really good point a few seconds ago when you said it's not just about pipelines. You're absolutely right. Suncor just announced that they're investing $300 million into uh, a wind farm in Alberta. I mean, this is an energy This is an energy the energy well, industry, the oil-producing in industry that is saying, hey, we got to start to we, we got to start to look Don't at other worry, things. We're no, wind that's farms. not that's not what I'm saying. What we I'm saying is that no what I'm saying sense. what I'm saying is that it's important to have a holistic approach when we when we look at the challenges that the West is facing, and that's what exactly what the throne speech did is it hit on the fact that we accept and we acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of people that are struggling, and we need to build um, you know the the proper infrastructure amenities to make sure uh, that they can be taken care of. So my point is is it's not about just talking about one industry or another. It's about a holistic approach to how do we deal with the struggles of so many people uh, uh, in, in Canada working, right now? Mark. It's not working. You've seen what you've been doing over the last four years and now I think what's frustrating is you're just kind of played, you're playing repeat on well, what you've done over the last four years and it's not working. I mean the, the thing is that 
Uh, we have seen nothing working under both conservative and liberal governments for the last 10 years because they fundamentally don't uh, get the balance right. What Canadians want is they want to see real action on climate change and they want to see a transition to a sustainable economy. And it's the workers that do suffer. Candace is exactly but right. But is it fair, just to push back, um, is the balance, is the NDP balance, which is no pipelines, is that a real balance? Look, everybody knows that we have to transition to a, a sustainable economy. I mean, the climate emergency is here and it's real. And where the money is, where the jobs are, where the economic growth is in uh, globally is in creating sustainable forms of energy. And you can't just keep giving billions of dollars to big oil companies. We should be investing that money in sustainable forms of, of energy production and that's and creating the jobs, uh, family sustaining jobs and economy of the future. Neither of these parties have done it. Well, you can see that there is a whole new attitude here with the minority government, right? Everyone's getting along. But look, these are consequential issues and there's going to be a debate. There'll be a speech from a, uh, a vote on the speech from the throne uh, later this week. Mark Gerritsen, uh, Candace Bergen, Don Davies. Great to see all of you back in Ottawa. we got to take a break now, but coming up, Justin Trudeau was caught on camera gossiping with other world leaders about U.S. President Donald Trump. Will this do any real damage or not? The Scrum is next with special guest, former U.S. Ambassador Bruce Heyman joins us. Stay right here with Question Period. No, that was not a scene from Mean Girls. It was the viral video from the NATO summit where Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was caught on camera mocking Donald Trump alongside UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, French President Emmanuel Macron, Dutch PM Marco Rutte, and Princess Anne. That's a group. That exploded into a full-blown international controversy. It was featured in a Trump attack ad by Democratic candidate uh, Joe Biden. President Donald Trump then called Justin Trudeau two-faced, canceled the planned press conference, and left the NATO summit early. That went well. Has this done real damage to Canada's relationship with the U.S. at a critical time? What does it mean for the new NAFTA, which still has to be ratified? Let's bring in the scrum to talk about that and lots more. Tana McCharles is a senior reporter with the Toronto Star. Joyce Napier is CTV's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political uh, uh, commentator. And Ambassador Bruce Heyman is in Chicago, the former U.S. ambassador to Canada. Great to see all of you. And I'll start with you, Ambassador Good Heyman. To see you. How, how damaging was was not just the gossip, but then Donald Trump hitting back, calling Justin Trudeau two-faced. So, so the reality is this. Everybody should take, take a step back for a minute and realize this is the 70th anniversary of NATO. Everybody was coming in anxious. There, it's under a lot of stress, NATO, right now, particularly because of Donald Trump, but in other factors as well. And here we are, and we have this event that takes place. Uh, the prime minister didn't say anything that anybody should be offended about. Um, but what this is now is a symbol. It's a symbol of a group of leaders together laughing and joking, and it is a symbol of how people are feeling about the president on an international basis. And so that's what's caused this to go viral. That's what's created all the news, and that's what's upset Donald Trump. And that's, and and that's, so what, and that's why now Mr. Trudeau finds himself in the middle of the U.S. presidential campaign right. in an attack ad by Joe Biden 
putting forward that exact point. Uh, I, if I were Trudeau Mr. Trudeau, not, I wouldn't want to be in that position. But he's not the only leader that is in that ad. And <laughs> no. I think it brings to the forefront something that we haven't seen, and that's why everybody is so stunned by it. We always see them, you know, sort of bowing to Donald Trump, and here, what we, because they have to, and here we see a candid moment of how they really feel about Donald Trump. Right? He well, is the emperor with no but, clothes, but and they mocked him. And it is probably the way they actually feel about him. And that's what's so shocking, is that it's diplomacy was out of, off of that video, and it was real sentiment there. And I think that it was extraordinary. It is somebody... Well, the setback for the it, president no, I, I just want to pick up on what Bruce said. It is something somebody should be offended by, and that somebody is the President of the United States. We know how vain and vindictive he is, and we also know that Trudeau has gotten into so much trouble in the past because of his harangues and various uh, comings and goings with the President. He should have been much less careless uh, than to plunge Canada and his name on the front pages of the New York Times into a, into a fight with the American President and uh, a fight which could damage him in terms of his efforts to um, escape impeachment. Yeah, Bruce, I guess the key concern for Canadians, and you've seen it, is we've already seen tariffs on aluminum and on steel that were vindictive. They were not really for any uh, rational reason. And I guess the concern is that now that relationships have been personalized again, it could harm Canada. Is that a genuine concern? I would have had that concern regardless of this event. Exactly. He has weaponized tariffs and he's using that wherever he can just to exert pain uh, for an outcome. He's very tactical in what he does and it doesn't always make sense. In fact, most of the time it doesn't at all. He and so I think Canada was vulnerable for that regardless of what happens. He further threatened that in all those meetings in NATO with the other leaders. He exactly. said if they don't pay up their what he deems to be their fair share of defense spending and somehow he's interpreted it to mean pay the U.S. when actually it just means spend on your own military forces. 2% of GDP by 2024, right. 25. If you don't pay that level, right. Trump says, oh, maybe Maybe I'll, I'll do something on trade with them. So the threat is not just implicit, it's explicit against countries like Canada. And, For and that reason, why, while it may not... That's the whole issue with Trump. He, he behaves irrationally even when he's not provoked. Perhaps it's a taste of his own medicine. So maybe it's the, uh, the mean girl in me, but I think, well, you know what? Well, let, let's talk about this because I'm sure... So wait, the let's only... pause just a minute oh, ahead, and Bruce remind Hayden. everybody... Can we just remind everybody that it was a year ago that the president spoke before the U.N. and all the world leaders were laughing out loud at him? Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, that was an event that took place. And he said, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Well, right. you know, this has been going on for a while. So I think, you know, unfortunately, the prime minister got caught in a hot mic and a hot mic moment. But the reality is nothing he said that was that offensive. It just was another tipping point in this Maybe. whole um, personality. Maybe, but it, but it has become symbolic. It is now part of the uh, of the election campaign, and it's a, and it's a big diplomatic yep. issue. But there's larger questions, Craig, about the NATO alliance. Uh, the strategic objective of, of the Soviet Union and Russia has been to split that alliance apart. You kind of saw that there, and then the, on the other hand, you've got China, 
which the head of NATO mentioned as well. And let me just focus on China because that's the other issue confronting uh, uh, Justin Trudeau. The, uh, I guess December 10th marks one year since the two Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, were plucked off the streets of China. They've been jailed by the Chinese. Their lights are on 24 hours a day. They don't have any reading glasses. They can't read. They, they have consular officials meeting them one day a month mm -hmm. for an hour, whereas Meng Wanzhou, the Chinese executive, Craig, is in her $5 million mansion writing a letter internationally saying she's enjoying reading novels and painting. And how well make? treated she was so by, the, by Canadian officials. So what challenge is this for Trudeau? Uh, and glorifying Canadian officials and the wonderful way right. that they're treating her. Her freedoms are complete. She can communicate pretty much all she wants with anybody she wants. Uh, and this is a very dramatic demarcation between what the Chinese are doing and what we're doing. And the Chinese, at some point, must realize how damaging this is to them in terms of global public relations. They want to be global traders, and this is damaging to them. The rubber hits the road, Tonda, though, on the U.S. is pressuring Canada not to accept Huawei as part of our backbone for a fifth-generation telecom. And now we've got this. What has Trudeau got to do on that? Well, look, again, Mr. Trump also said, uh, you know, made clear that he had argued to all of his NATO partners, we don't want you doing, doing any business with with Huawei because of their security concerns. It's a huge challenge for Trudeau. He hasn't indicated where he's going with it, but Boris Johnson, after his meetings with Donald Trump this week at NATO, did indicate what he's doing. He said, we will not jeopardize our national security partnerships and our ability to operate with our allies over Huawei. So let's see where that goes now. Canada risks being really isolated on that. Uh, last word, Bruce Heyman, does Canada have to say no to Huawei now? Canada is in a very tough situation, and it's because of Donald Trump. Let's yep. be clear. The president has isolated everyone else, and Canada has relied on this relationship with the United States as a backbone. There was an extradition issue when I was the uh, ambassador, and there was no retribution coming in from China. They get a free pass now because Donald Trump's not stepping in the way. I think that Canada finds itself in a new place diplomatically in the world as a result of Donald Trump and has to navigate this future very carefully. And I don't have an easy answer on this China outcome. Yeah, uh, Joyce, well, I got 10 seconds. And here. Canada doesn't either. I think they're holding their fire. Um, you know, there is that little problem of those two prisoners, which makes this very intricate a problem even more complicated. So it's not only telecom and Huawei, it's what happens to these two prisoners, and that is very, very, very important. Yeah, trade's important, but protecting Canadians yes. is the primary job of the Prime Minister. All right, Ambassador Bruce Heyman, great to see you here. Thank you so much for joining Good us with you. your perspective on that. The scrum will stick around. No two faces on this scrum. Did Justin Trudeau's speech from the throne set the right priorities from tax cuts to a break for the oil sands? We'll break it all down and find out what it says about the future of this minority government. The scrum returns. Our special guest will be CTV pollster Nick Dano. Stay right here. In this election, parliamentarians received a mandate from the people of Canada, which ministers will carry out. It is a mandate to fight climate change, strengthen the middle class, walk the road of reconciliation, keep Canadians safe and healthy, and position Canada for success in an uncertain world.
So those are the key priorities for the Liberal government heading into this minority parliament. A speech from the throne, of course, is just the butter knife. The real blade comes out with the budget. But what does the speech say about the Liberal government's priorities? And what will they actually accomplish? Pharmacare, gun control, tax cuts. Let's find out. The Scrum is back. Tony McCharles is back. Joyce Napier is back. Craig Oliver is back. And our special guest this round is the president and CEO of Nanos Research, Nick Nanos. All right, uh, everybody's back. Nick, welcome to the program. I mean... Did this speech from the throne respond to the message Canadians sent to Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government? Well, I think what we saw were the Liberals cherry-pick things for every single party. And what we saw was a middle-class agenda, which is what Canadians want. The other big thing that I heard was it looks like the Liberals want to survive. This wasn't a short-term speech from the throne. It's like there are goodies where they can pick different dancing partners in order to stay in government. What stood out, Tonda? Well, if I'm honest, what really stood out to me was the lack of attention or reflection, deep reflection, on what is going on uh, in the country in terms of the regional divisions. Now, maybe that's not a speech where you're going to, you know, do a lot of down to- downbeat talk. But I do think that he missed an opportunity to address Canadians past the Conservatives to talk to Canadians in the West. And so I, I, that stood out to me. Joyce? The prudence of this, uh, of this speech was actually stunning. Uh, He talked about bringing resources to market, never mentioned Trans Mountain, never even mentioned the the word oil in there, which was kind of interesting as well. So what resources is he talking about? That's what the Bloc Québécois was asking. What exactly are we talking about? Natural resources, clean, dirty, what exactly is it? So he said a lot of things without saying them. He tried to stay very inoffensive. (laughs) That could be the definition of politics. He said a lot without saying anything. Craig, what stood out? I think if you put a label on this uh, throne speech, it would be no surrender, no retreat. Uh, It was laying out uh, a testament of liberal progressive values. And they're not backing away on any of those. I mean, on on climate, they've gone farther than they've ever gone. If they go that far, who knows whether Canadians will be able to stay with them on the costs, which they do now. But the point... The net zero emissions. uh, Yes, that whole idea. And what the... Where we're at at the moment is that the Liberals know these were ideas that Canadians liked. Two-thirds of Canadians supported them in Ontario and in Quebec uh, and, and some other places in the country. And so they feel if they can sell this agenda, they can win another election yeah, when, <laughs> when, 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 whatever happens to Conservatives. Thin gruel, thin gruel, Craig, for the West. Their yeah. absence of reaching out to the West basically says maybe there is one message that they got that the West doesn't like Justin Trudeau and they're not looking at winning votes in that part of the well, country. Well, they did make yeah. a well, concession. They never mentioned they, 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 and Alberta in that speech. They never mentioned any province. They did yeah. make a concession recently to Alberta that they'll accept the, the, the Alberta targets on big emitters. But they're, the first mm-hmm. thing they say, Nick, is a tax cut for the middle class. They're going to basically um, elevate the exemption to $15,000 for people making, I think, under $147,000. Is that an important signal that they're sending? Oh, absolutely, because the thing is, is the first mandate for the Liberals was lacking on a middle-class agenda that Canadians were expecting them to deliver on. Mm-hmm. I think if they want to try to hold on to power, they've got to pivot back to what they, province, what they promised before 2015. Why Me- were, go ahead, Craig. Meantime, Andrew Scheer is out there campaigning for his job. He's bringing back all of his old election speeches, not to appeal to Canadians, but to appeal to Conservatives 
so that he can keep his job uh, when, a when April comes along, if he, if he can survive that long. Well, what did you make, Tonda, of the responses? Uh, immediately, Andrew Scheer said he's disappointed. Uh, this was alienating the West. Jagmeet Singh said no details on things like a national universal pharmacare. What did you make of their responses? Well, look, they both sounded overly combative for their respective yeah. positions. Mr. Scheer's uh, facing uh, huge internal divisions in his party over his own leadership. So for him to come out and essentially replay the election campaign as if he didn't lose it um, was a problem, I thought. And his speech in the Commons the, on Friday, in response to this throne speech, essentially gave you know his greatest hits of what he would have done and says, I'm going to push for this, and here's how I would amend your, your throne speech. And to, it, it, it sort of belies reality. Joyce, uh, what well, do you make of the responses? Uh, well, I find I found the response of the Bloc Québécois quite, uh, quite, you know, amusing in a way. Here is the party that is going to support and vote for uh, this uh, this speech, which means the government survives thanks to uh, 32 MPs uh, in Quebec who are, you know, basically sovereignists. So if that does nothing to national unity or to reunite the country. Um, it's because they have the support of Quebec and not the support and you of wonder, Western is that, Canada. Is that a problem for Justin Trudeau? If they, because it means that Jagmeet Singh with impunity can say no, but it means the Liberals are stuck with their bloc Absolutely. as their only dance partner. But Jagmeet Singh is going to say no because he too is a weakened leader, let's face it. So you've got two opposition yeah, I, leaders who yeah. are weakened but if by says, this election as well. But if he keeps well. saying no, he becomes irrelevant. Absolutely. Because he doesn't accomplish anything. Like exactly. This is his time where he has a potentially a pliant go government to advance an NDP agenda, and if he doesn't come out supporting anything, then people will go, okay, well, so what about that? It's I just was, a lost I opportunity. Was I was shocked on Friday when, uh, for the first time, actually, Trudeau stood up and said, look, I've, I had a speech written to respond to Mr. Scheer. I'm throwing it away. I'm, I listened to you. I'm going to deal with your points. He listened. Scheer, they were back and forth. Blanchet gave a very reasoned and thoughtful right. speech, and Jagmeet Singh was kind of shuffling his papers and talking to people and moving around and not sitting in his chair and paying attention he hadn't had his turn to speak yet, but his big challenge is to recover any support in Quebec if he wants to broaden his right. party, and he's not, even, he's not even paying attention. Can I just add one word about the kind of overarching values that are, that are in this speech? If everything in that throne speech happened, and of course it won't, there is so much in there in terms of social programming that it would turn us into something like a North American Scandinavia. It's all there, if, if you believe it would happen, and the costs, by the way, would be enormous. Uh, all right, one last thing. Uh, Tonda mentioned Andrew Shear was replaying his greatest hits on there. You've done some polling. Yep. I mean, he's fighting for his survival. Trudeau's got to get votes on the speech of the throne. He's got to survive. But what about Mr. Shear? What, what's the latest on his job? Well, the, you know, he's basi it's basically a sheer cliff right now. He's dropped 15 percentage points in terms of the proportion of Canadians that would consider, think he would make the best prime minister. But the party numbers remain solid. The liberals and conservatives are statistically tied, but he has personally dropped 15 points. So what does that tell and you know, that? the thing is, back to what Tonda was saying, I he think he had the right message, but he has the wrong tone. Being angry will not appeal to voters. And he does has to have to kind of advance his vision, but watch the tone. But right now, he's not trying to appeal to voters. He's trying to appeal to conservatives. Please, challenge. please support me in April. Yeah.
All right, it's going yeah. to be really interesting. They're back. There's going to be more votes uh, on Monday, so we'll be watching that closely. i got to leave it there. Tonda, Craig, uh, Joyce, and Nick, thank you, all of you. But before we go, i got to tell you, one of the great CTV professionals, Dave Ellis, is retiring this week. Now, Dave is the very exemplar of a team player, always going above and beyond to help a colleague. We've all been helped by Dave. He's been covering politics for more than 30 years, and many of the great interviews and pictures you've seen, including this one right now, our courtesy of Dave. So Dave, from all of us at CTV News family, we love you. We wish you many Yay. more adventures. And as Dave knows, there he is, and as Dave knows well, politics continues next week, and we will follow the crucial vote on the speech from the throne and bring you all the news in seven short days. Thanks, Dave. Take good care. We'll see you back here next week.